Welcome, everybody, to the Why God Why podcast. Once again, this is episode four of season one of our podcast. Really thankful that you joined us today, and I think it is going to be well worth your time today. Today, we have our special host, uh, guest host here with us, Gerald Coleman, and we have a fantastic conversation lined up for you. The, the subject of the day is, why, God, why do people still read the Bible? I think it's something that a lot of us have wondered, and uh, Gerald does a really great job of explaining that. Peter, do you want to introduce people to Gerald a little bit here? Yeah, I um, I met Gerald this year. He is currently serving as the Roberts Wesleyan College campus pastor. So he serves not only students, but staff there. Most re- before coming back to the Rochester area, he was a discipleship pastor at Grace Community Church in Detroit, Michigan. Um, he served in a number of different environments um, with uh, social help. And uh, really, he brings a great philosophy and understanding of the Bible. He also is nearing completion a degree at Northeastern Seminary. And um, I think Gerald not only brings a pastoral perspective, but because he's very adept in asking good questions, he's great in knowing and anticipating what questions you may have as a Bible, since he does this on a college campus all the time. Yeah, looking forward to Gerald's conversation here. Hope you really, really enjoy it. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Harry Gibbs. I'm a member at Browncroft, and I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Peter Engler, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Today's topic is Why God Why Do People Read the Bible? Before we welcome in today's special guest, let's take a moment to summarize, guys, what we mean when we ask this question, why do people read the Bible? Yeah, I I think it's funny if you spend enough time in church, like there's a couple pat answers to every problem, like pray about it. Sometimes like the Sunday, as we say, the Sunday school answer, Jesus. But I feel like for every problem, it's like, we'll go to the Bible. You know, and then we won't even touch like do what it literally says because there are some crazy things that the Bible says. And so, you know, this topic today I think is extremely important because on one hand, we know that the Bible is probably the most debated book out there, but also, and this is facts, you can go to the Library of Congress. It's the best-selling book of all time. There must be something about it for that. John, you know, what do you encounter critics of the Bible or or just kind of as you're talking with students and people? Yeah, I mean, this is a really great question. Um, you know, why do people still study the Bible? Why do they still read it on a daily basis? And I guess when I start, first started in college ministry, working with college students 17 years ago, there used to be this kind of more heated debate about things like this. And there used to be kind of more of a back and forth, well, you can't believe this, or you can't believe that, or this and that. And and people used to really kind of draw lines in the sand. Now, what I find is people just basically just don't care. They don't, they, you talk to them about the Bible, they're like, well, really? People still read that? Like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing still. You're still doing that. And then you kind of look at you like, oh my goodness, like you are really weird. Um, So I think there's this, there's just as a society, we're at a place where 
it used to be kind of a, a debate. I think we've kind of moved beyond that debate now in general in society. And so I think we need to return to this question and go, why? Like, And I think it's a legit question. Why should we engage with the Bible still or should we? You know, is this a is this a legit thing uh, at this point in our societal evolution? So. Um, I'd love to start with that with you, Gerald. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, just on a light little uh, topic here, uh, you know, why do people still read the Bible? What do you think about that? I mean, are you seeing that too, kind of that level of apathy? You're at a Christian school even, um, but as you are this campus pastor of this, you know, Christian university, really well known in our region, um, how do you experience that? Like, yeah, um, well, glad to be here. Glad to be a part of this discussion. Um, I think when I wrestle with that question, and from what I've seen in my experience, I do think there is an apathy to- towards it. Of okay, yeah, it's another book. Um, I don't really know if I want to read it. It's it's boring, or you know, I get stuck or whatever. And does it even matter? You know, what implications does it have for the everyday part of my life? Um, it's not, or on a college campus, really, I'm here to get my degree so I can make some money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally. and make a living. And um, for me, I think the Bible is, uh, you know, as, as Christians, we know that some of the things that we talk, the, some of the things that we say about Scripture, it's truth, it's God's Word, and all of those things I do deeply believe. Uh, but as I think about my love for Scripture, here is this story that carries implications for how I do life, you know, Mm. Um, for the decisions I make, how do I treat people? It has a lot of wisdom to offer on those real life things. And so for me, if I want to live life in a healthy way or a a good life, if we could say, what's the good life? I think scripture has a lot to say about what a good life is. Wow. That's, that's really good. Now I I, want to follow up on that because the way you're talking about it, it seems like to me that you've had some experiences with the Bible that for you have meant something pretty significant. Can you name like one or two of those experiences in your life where you go, wow, man, this, this just kind of stopped me in my tracks. Um, yeah, uh, there's quite a (laughs) few of those. Um, but I think, um, you know, I, I look at Genesis, you know, and the, the story of creation and I know it can be kind of trendy to talk about Genesis, but really just to to look at that book or the first chapter even and reading through it and looking at how what appears to be chaos, God brings life out of that, right? And looking at that and saying, wait a minute, like what implications does this mean? Does this mean that God is only present in those places that are perfect, neat, and tied up? Or does it mean that God can be found in the messiness of life? And he's there and he's active and he's looking even to bring some kind of order to things, you know? And so I think when I think about that, I'm like, that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that speaks to me right now because sometimes life can be messy, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it, it's crazy that you brought up Genesis 1 and 2 because rarely do we hear people in real life talk about what you just like. It's practical to me because the chaos in my life, God brings order out of chaos. Most of the time it turns into like, well, you know, did God create the world or was it evolution? (laughs) You know, so, you know, help 
you know, you deal with college students, you deal with young adults all the time. And when I think about our audience, you know, the question about the Bible is, you know, how do I move past the initial debates that I'm having to what maybe it's actually getting at, or maybe what the authors say, how do you do that personally? Because what you just said there is so powerful, and I don't think I hear that often. John, do you hear that often? No, no. no. So great. how did you get there, even with that passage or other passages? Well, I mean, it took some time, and I don't want to make it seem like the debates aren't worth it. You know what I mean? And, you know, we all wrestle with those questions, you know. Is this true? Is this accurate? It, did he really create it? Was it was it six days? Or, you know, those things we do have debates about. But I think, and oftentimes we're looking for facts, you know, um, what's the real fact or, you know, did it really happen? And I think, too, that something that humans, human beings have done since the beginning, speaking of Genesis, is uh, one of the things that we do is look for meaning, you know, and uh, what's the pur- what is the purpose behind this or what does this mean? And I think scripture really does speak at that level. So I know for me, um, there's a lot of ways to read the Bible. You can read it, you know, as a scientific formula. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to try to break down every word, see how it's structured. What's the Hebrew? What's the Greek? Or Aramaic? Mm-hmm. Whatever those languages you may be studying. But then there comes a moment, I believe, too, where I'm reading it and I'm just open, you know, <laughs> okay, Lord, if you want to speak to me through your word, you know, and somehow by trying to get in the story, not just be distant from it, but actually read it. What am I smelling in the story? What am I seeing, mm-hmm. hearing, placing myself there and allowing myself to fill it um, as best I can? I think in that it speaks, you know, I don't know how yeah, else to put that's that. Good, but, yeah. man, that's good. I think what you're talking about is really like not just reading something like you would read a normal textbook, but like allowing something to speak to you as you're reading it. It's like a different level of kind of interacting than just simply a knowledge. It's it's like interacting with your life too. So when you're talking about that type of thing, most people aren't used to that, right? I mean, most of us in our society, we're used to taking in information. That's great. Okay. Now on to the next thing. And we just kind of go from one thing to the next. So how would you start? Like, let's just say, like, I'm I assuming there's there's people who are listening here today and they're going, wow, this seems like a bunch of weird guys just sitting around talking into some microphones right now. It just yeah, is yeah. not resonating with me. Like, but I'm kind of curious. That's why I'm still listening. So thank you for li- still listening. That's really cool that you're there. Um, <laughs> what would you suggest for for people who are just starting? Like, where would you start in this process? Oh, man, I'm not usually good at those kinds of questions. because. (laughs) And so when I I get asked that question, automatically I think of all the things that I've been told. Well, you want to start in John or you want to start in Luke. You want to start with the Gospels. And uh, and I do think that those are great places to start. Sure. Uh, But oftentimes, too, I would say um, reading in community. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, and not reading by yourself. So if there was, if you wanted to read scripture, you know, who could you read with? I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that you got to be with them all the time, but maybe I'm a part of a community Mm -hmm. and we're reading a book together or we're going through a series at church. Why not be present to that where I know there are other people who are taking that same path. Mm -hmm. And so I can read 
and explore, but at the same time, ask questions and look for other people. Hey, let's get together and talk about this and, and wrestle with this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think about, okay, where are you? What context are you in? Who are the people you know? Are, is people in your community, are they reading scripture? Are they doing something? And so to me, that could be an easy on-ramp. Uh, but I do think the Gospels are, at the risk of sounding cliche, are a great place to start because you can look at if, if Scripture is scripture is correct and pointing us to Jesus mm-hmm. as the clearest picture we get of what God is like, who He is. And so I think you can't go wrong saying, okay, well, I, w- I want to see what God is like. I'm going to look in these Gospels and get a picture and get a feel for who Jesus is as best I can. You know? Yeah. You know, based off that, I- I'm kind of curious. So <clears throat> this week I ran into, man, I feel like I'm using Gerald for my own therapy session yeah, here. But, but um, you know, so, you know, I'm reading the book of Job with some people and, um, you know, they're reading it and they're like, you know, there's this scene where... God talks to Satan and says, hey, Job, this. And the difficulty of me being a pastor is kind of sharing with them, well, how you read this in the 21st century is very different than what it was originally read. And so I just ask that because I, I think something that's really hard, and maybe how can you explain this, of like, how do you come to the Bible without your own biases and, and even just your own modern view. But in a way, you know, before we even recorded, you said, I really want to talk about the Bible for spiritual formation. What are some practical tips that you can give us? Because there's landmines all throughout the Bible. And like Job, that's an example there. So how do you help coach people and walk them through that? Yeah, I'm not so sure we can get rid of our own presuppositions, right? Mm. I think I am who I am, you know, and, you know, being trapped within the context of which we live, that could be a a curse and a blessing. That's right. And so I think just being honest about it and saying, okay, I'm coming to the text with everything that I am. And so I'm I'm just going to be open about it. I'm going to be honest about it, you know, and I think that's a sense of humility of this is who I am. You know, I see things the way that I see them. And so I can't be objective in that sense of getting rid of all of my presuppositions, but I can exercise humility in my subjectivity, right? Mm. So I can say, hey, I'm just going to come open and honest. This is what I see. But the the spiritual formation part of scripture that I love is I think uh, Majorie Thompson is the author that said this, is that when I approach scripture, it's important to remember not only am I reading scripture, but scripture's reading me. Mm. And so I think having that kind of interactive, that when I come to the Word, it's it's alive, and it's going to interact with those things and being open to that. And so I think have, being being humble in that and admitting that, but I think that's the blessing, too, of reading it in community, because then we can wrestle with that. Yeah. Well, one of the questions I have for you, Gerald, is I hear you talk. It's obvious that, that you've spent a lot of time with the Bible. Like, did you grow up? around the Bible? Was that a part of your experience growing up? How long has this been a part of your life, so to speak? Yeah. So I was raised in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad uh, became a pastor the year I was born. Oh. And so I grew up uh, learning about Scripture, not from Scripture, but mm-hmm. from the people around me. And I uh, had a pretty, uh, it was a pretty small church, but a vibrant community. And so we would do things 
on a Tuesday night Bible study, like have people quote passages of scripture. And so you'd get these real passionate, I grew up Pentecostal, so you mm-hmm. get these passionate yeah. people who, when they quoted scripture, you know, from the King James, of course, because oh, that's yeah. the, that's yeah. the yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they would say those psalms, say, oh, magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name. And so, um, and the one thing I do like about the King James is it sort of has that poetic feel. Mm-hmm. And so when they would quote it, it would have it would be a sense of filling, you know, mm-hmm. to it. And so you'd learn it and you'd hear it and it would stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's how I was first introduced to scripture. And then later it became a part of discipline, maybe. Hey, I want you mm-hmm. to memorize these verses. And it's interesting that we're talking about this because one of the, one of the first chapters I had to memorize was Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. And Psalm 1 talks about a love for God's word, you know, meditating on it day and night. And so I think that's where my love for God's word started. And then even getting to this place of, oh, meditating, what does that mean? And how does that help me grow? And so, yeah. Yeah. That, oh, that's cool, man. Like, so so that's something we share. I'm a PK too. So, yeah. So I know the life. There it is. There it is. We. I knew we had some sort of special bond. I PK can feel struggles. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, might yeah, be yeah, another yeah. podcast right there. I can feel it. <laughs> Hashtag PK struggles. Exactly, yeah. So, so. Okay, so I'm I'm speaking from a PK myself. Um, I grew up around it too, but it took a while for me to internalize it. Did you did you come did you have a, a a time in your life where you were like struggling against this, like a lot of us PKs have? For those of you who don't know the term PK, pastor's kid, uh, you know uh, that like a lot of us have. Uh, did you have a time where you were like, I don't know, man, I don't know if this is really for me or not. Yeah, I think um, high school would have been that time for me, but I I think there were some other things around it. Mm-hmm. So I think at that time, we made a move from the inner city of Chicago uh, to an all-white suburb. And so being out of the context and just wrestling with purpose, with meaning in life, all of those things as a teen, as I'm trying to figure out my place in the world— Okay, mom and dad is always saying God has a purpose for your life. What the heck is that about? What does that mean? And so I think it was in that time of really wrestling with it and then trying to come to Scripture saying, okay, what does God's Word say about this? But there definitely was that time of, look, right now, I'm not feeling God right now. If this dude is has got a purpose for my life, I don't know if I really like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that would definitely be that time, that high school time in my life. Totally. Gerald Coleman, uh, campus pastor at Roberts Wesleyan College, our special guest today on Why God, Why Do People Read the Bible? Uh, I wanted to contribute a little something. As a small group leader here at Browncroft for 10th grade boys, um, I find it <laughs> wow. often that um, I get the eye roll when – during practical application time, I say, you know, we should be reading our Bible together if we really want to grow closer together. And I, I just think about our audience, you know, the younger generation, and uh, I don't feel like that opinion changes much as they transition into college and, and post-college when they're really trying to identify who they are. So I'd just be interested in what all of you three uh, are thinking on on this idea of how do you even combat just that, that they think you're being fake when you're saying this thing that you truly believe is this practical truth that we we really should read the Bible. No. 
everybody's looking at me like I should just get started. Well, you know, the thing I've been thinking about is, um, you know, so I struggle because, you know, we talk about something like going to the gym as being a discipline and how you see results later. And I don't think like the Bible is going to the gym, but there's certain things that we do that we realize that there's some value and benefit in doing. And, you know, Gerald, I love what you said that, you know, at first we read the Bible, then it reads us. And I'll just be honest, like I read the Bible every day. I read off this app, you version. And most of the time, because I'm in a group of Brown Crofters that I pastor, like the main reason I read it is so they can see that I check the box every day. Like let's, <laughs> let's just be honest. But there are seasons of doing and reading the Bible that even with not the right motivation that God is speaking to me. And, you know, I mentioned being in Job right now. I am so surprised, you know, if God is so insecure, if Jesus is so insecure, like Job's like, God, where are you? You know, and, you know, when you, even before we got on, we talked about how the Bible's narrative, like you're able to put yourself in that story. And I think for us is that we resist the Bible because it it's thrown to us like going to the gym, but ultimately this book, this story that God gives us will ultimately help us see the way life is and making that transition. It's different for everybody, but I don't know how else to kind of communicate that because I'm reading these stories now and I'm reading these passages and it's just kind of hitting me differently. And you know, the last way I'll kind of clear it up, reading the Bible to me is like your drive to work. You know, when you drive to work, you know, you'll see all these houses, but because you're biased and you've seen it so many times, like I'll look over and all of a sudden, oh, that house has blue shutters. I don't know if that house has always had blue shutters or if, you know, they just put them on because I'm I'm only looking for certain things. And so even what you were saying before, I think is so powerful. It's not about getting rid of our presuppositions, but it's, hey, I am a 21st century modern person trying to read an ancient book. And, you know, I grew up in upstate New York my whole life. I have a point of view that isn't wrong or right, but I need to be aware of it because somewhere is an invitation to get to know God and others. I don't know. What do you both think? I don't, oh man, I don't know, dude, that's deep, that's deep, way to go, way to go, Peter. Yeah, my mind is blown sitting over here right now. Uh, no, I, I think I think for me, as I'm, I'm resonating with what you're saying, I'm just thinking of times in my life where I think the Bible, like you were talking about, Gerald, like it also reads me, and I'm sitting there, and I'm not expecting it, and then bam, upside my head, here comes a truth that I wasn't expecting. And sometimes that's a very comforting thing, and sometimes it's a very convicting thing, um, and it just depends. Now, I, I remember when I was when we first had kids, and I just felt so overwhelmed when my kids were little. And I was reading through Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And I'm reading this, and I'd never seen this passage before. I'd I mean, I'd been around church my whole life, but I'd never seen it. And it just said a simple phrase that I was that that gave me such comfort I couldn't believe it. it was like it talks about God as a shepherd, and he gently leads those with young. 
And I was like, oh, my goodness. Thank you, God. I felt like he was speaking to me. I felt like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) You got six kids, dude. Oh, man. So let me just speak some prophecy over you right now. Uh, That he gently leads those with young. And I just remember just sitting there and almost having this, like, really emotional reaction about it and just saying, thank you, God. Thank you that that's true about you because I really need to be gently led right now i feel like nothing else in my life is is being gentle you know around me right now there's just such chaos um and and i just remember in that moment and it was a moment i wasn't expecting it was a moment that wasn't it wasn't planned but that felt like a real gift to me you know and there's been other times where things have just stood out to me like john you need to take care of this because i'm just i'm driving this home to you right now yeah, yeah. um i don't know if there there've been situations for you Gerald, where you read something and you're like man this just either good bad yeah, either yeah. way you're like man god's speaking to me right now yeah lots of times and i want to acknowledge what peter what you shared that you know sometimes we as Christians could paint or Christian leaders can paint uh, the Bible to be kind of like ESPN where you're watching highlight reels mm-hmm. all the time and you forget about the dull moments. Like there are moments when I come and it just feels like I ain't getting nothing, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, what about those moments? And I, you know, for me, it's just like, well, I'm coming and I'm open. If If I don't receive anything, even, you know, some days I go to the gym and getting on the elliptical, I'm not feeling that enthused about it. But, you know, I know that it's good for me. It doesn't feel good, but it's good for me in terms of practice. So I want to acknowledge that there are those moments, you know, where I can't, I'm not going to lie and tell everybody, every time you yeah. come, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the heavens are going to come down yeah. and boom. Uh, no, you know, <laughs> there are going to yeah. be moments where it feels like, is this really worth it? You know, because that may be where you are that day. Uh, but you do have those moments where it seems that it just opens up to you in a whole new way. And for me, one of those moments was, and I, I, it's like maybe last year sometime I saw mm-hmm. this for the first time, Moses mm-hmm. at the burning bush, mm-hmm. God speaks to him and it says that Moses hides his face. Now, I've I've read it. I know I've read it because yeah. I've read that passage a lot of time, but just a lot of times, but now looking at it and like, wait, he hid his face. Mm. You know, what was, was he ashamed? What mm. was he wrestling with that he hid his face? And, you know, like, oh, Lord, what's in my life mm. that when I'm encountering your presence in a particular way that I hide my face or I hide, you know? And so I, I do have those moments, and I think I see those moments of invitations where, hey, God wants to speak to me about something. He wants to challenge something, offer me something, yeah. and am I willing to step into those moments? So, yeah. So one question I actually have for both of you, because so I'm, the bias for all of us is we've all studied the Bible. You know, we've been to Christian colleges. Like, we have the argument is some degree of passion. But I just want to use something else in my life. So I just bought a house within the last two years. And everybody tells me, like, oh, you'll get good at, like, home improvement projects. Like, you just have to do them. And I still don't feel that way. Like, like I still feel like, you know, I'd rather call someone in or, like, I'm afraid that 
you know, I'm going to blow something up. And like, I do know that if the more I did it, did it, or like if I just went on YouTube, I don't necessarily want to, you know, and I, I think that that's a picture of the Bible because, like, I think everybody listening to this can assume you guys you guys are spending so much time and stuff like that that you like it. What would you say to that person that feels just like me with home improvement projects about the Bible? Because I think that's where some people are. Like, is it really worth it? Like, will I even get it? You know, and I don't know. You know, when when I think about that, I, you know, so I like to read in general and I like to read a lot of books on theology. And so I can read a ton of books about how to read scripture, right? Because there's a lot of those out there. But there comes a point where I need to put the stinking book down and just read scripture. (laughs) Like how to read scripture. And it offers a bunch of neat uh, tips, you know, 12 steps, you know, the next one, 21 steps, or you can do it in just three steps in 10 minutes. Uh, But there comes a point where I just got to get in. And here's the thing about, and stories, like we go to the movies and we're in it, you know, we, we're caught up in the midst of it and we're, we're like caught up in another world. And after the movie is over, we come back and we talk about, oh man, how was, what was I feeling in that? Oh, this really rubbed me the wrong way. And I think scripture is like that too. Once you, you, you've got to do it. It's like vegetables, you know, you don't like them. It ain't candy. It ain't sweets. But when you change your diet and you start to eat the right thing, you start to develop a taste for it. And then you start to notice things and things start to stand out. And so I think, yes, there's a discipline to it. Uh, But you just got to do it, you know, getting in it and becoming familiar. It's like relationships. You know about someone, but knowing about someone is different than knowing them. And the only way you can know them is by doing the stinking relationship. You know, there's no easy way around that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that, Gerald. I guess my perspective on that is very similar. And I, I think of the way that you frame that, uh, Peter, in, in terms of just the idea that I'll ever be good at my home improvement stuff is probably that's I resonate with that too I just man I can mow the lawn I'm good at that uh but that's about it you know I can paint too I've I've learned that skill over the years but there's going to be a cap to that you do not want me replacing the furnace or the water heater or any pipes or any electricity you barely want me hanging pictures in my house yeah exactly <laughs> and 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 so I think that there we tend to sometimes carry into even because of our society, we carry into this, even our reading of the Bible, at a, a performance, like, I'm going to get good at this, which I don't necessarily think is the intention. I don't think that's God's intention. I want you to be good at this. I think he's in, his intention is, like, I want to have a relationship with you. And and that's kind of a, a, a deeper level. It's not necessarily, I want you to become a Bible scholar. It's I want you to know me more. I want you to get to know me. And I know you. I want you to get to know me. And I think when I approach the Bible in that way, that kind of relieves me of that performance mindset. It's like, I just want to, I want this to kind of be fueled by a relationship, not by like, I have to do this or else. 
I'm going to get like lightning strike from heaven. You know, something's going to zap me or uh, something bad's going to happen to me today if I don't. Or it's like, no, it's an invitation from God to experience more of who he is. Yeah. And I think what I'm hearing from all of us is we spend so much time trying to get it right with the Bible. When, When I think God's just inviting us to sit with it and wrestle with it. You know, it's what we're less comfortable with doubting and wrestling God than God is. <sighs> and like you you just you you see, you know, you reference all the stories that we've been talking about and like, you know, I'm even thinking about this, you know, and this is Democrats and Republicans. Like it is almost humorous to hear them quote scripture or verses that they think are scripture. And in some ways, even those opportunities are invitations to us. What does the Bible really have to say? Because nine times out of 10, when I talk to someone about a passage that's difficult, there's about three or four things that not just them, but myself, I never even thought about. And so I'm always thankful as a pastor when someone comes to me and says, I don't understand this. I don't get this. And then because there's something that I wasn't thinking about and I'm challenged by that. Uh, You know, how do you experience that, you know, on a college campus? And, you know, even you have people at different levels of faith from John and me that felt like if we didn't read the Bible, lightning was going to strike to people who are like, (laughs) like, um, why am I reading the Bible? So, I mean, how do you, how do you kind of manage that with some of the students that you meet with, or even some of the graduates that you meet with? Yeah. So it's interesting. I've had, the last few meetings I've had with students, who they have had a desire to start reading God's Word. And, you know, it's a little bit of guilt trip, you know, of, I know I need to be reading God's Word. But then underneath that, there really is a hunger of, okay, my soul is starving. You know, I, I listen to a lot of stuff, and I really do want to get into God's Word. And so depending on where students are, I will say, hey, here's here's something that might be helpful for where you are in your journey. And so I direct them to something that's right now in their life. You know, this is where you are. This may be something that may be helpful. And I don't know yet how they responded to that, you know, but I don't want to be in the position of, look, you better read this. You know, your your soul is at stake. You better read it. And although that might be true, <laughs> although that might be true, I, I think that what you talked about as an invitation, to me, that's so much more compelling. Like, the fact that God wants to have a conversation with me is far more inviting to me. I don't know, and I like that better than I want you to read my word because you need to know it. You need to memorize it. And if you don't, oh, St. Peter is not going to let you in. You know, that type of I thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cause so it could be love motivated or it could be, you know, performance driven. And performance driven only lasts for a season, you know. I'm convicted that I just said St. Peter, but anyways, well, <laughs> I don't even think we can edit that out. <laughs> um, so I want to just kind of close today with uh, our our final question, which, you know, this question of why do people still read the Bible, thinking about how to bring Jesus into this. So maybe how would Jesus 
you know, invite us to read the Bible? What's kind of your final word to our audience? So, John, why don't you start and uh, we'll just Great. go around. Yeah, or since actually, I haven't thought about it at all. Let, me, let me know. Well, I can come up with something. We'll, we'll actually give Gerald the last word. So, yeah, you know. ab- absolutely. Yeah, good. Yeah, that'll, that'll be good. It's going to be a good one, too. So I'll just hurry up with mine. Uh how would Jesus invite us into this? I think that's a great question. Let me let me put it in Jesus' terms, even how he talks about the Bible of his day, what we now refer to as the Old Testament. He he told us that he didn't come to abolish that law, but to fulfill it. And so I think what Jesus is saying there is he's saying, hey, you know what? This whole whole Bible, this thing, this is about me. It's an invitation to look at me, to who I am, and to evaluate me and to say, am I somebody worthy of following? And I think the the whole Bible we can look at in that way, to, to look at it and to really see Jesus as the centerpiece of the whole Bible. And um, to look at the Bible as we read it and to go, is is Jesus worth following? Even in stories, you know, from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, everything that we would look at that and go, is Jesus worth following? Based off of what I see here, is he the king? And if he is, is he worth following? I think that really that that's the end question for all of us, you know, that, that say we're Christians is that we said we at one point or another, we had to come to the point where we said, yeah, he is. Um, for those of us who are still searching, that's the question we need to ask ourselves um, in this process is, is Jesus worth following? So that's how I would frame that question. I don't know, Peter. You know, whether or not you follow Jesus and you're listening to the podcast or not, I haven't met anyone that said to me, man, I don't want to be full of integrity. You know, I haven't met someone that says, you know what? I want to think and be motivated differently than what I say and what I do. And, you know, the crazy thing about following Jesus and Christianity, you know, we talk a lot about the gospel. And I, I think that ultimately the definition of the gospel is this. It's the story of Jesus in real life. Said another way, it's the good news of Jesus to be believed not good advice, you know? And I think what happens a lot of times when we read the Bible is we're reading it so much to change our behavior, but ultimately the invitation to read the Bible is to have us live with integrity, to know that what motivates us, what we think is connected to what Jesus has done in us. And ultimately what all of us have to wrestle with is if Jesus talks about you know, reconciling us through his death on the cross and giving us new life through his resurrection. You know, I'll just kind of bring up an interesting example. Like, so we see the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. And we're sitting there and we're like, I'm good, you know? (laughs) But Jesus says, if you have hate for a brother, you've committed murder in your heart. And what Jesus is trying to say is, like, you can't fix yourself on your own. Like, and... And what this invitation of the Bible is, is just to say this, instead of trying to fight against what's going on inside of you, it's to realize that God wants to transform you from the inside out to give you that congruence, that's an integrity that you could have never had without him. Yeah, that's good. Both of those are really good. 
I mean, I want to default to silence. <laughs> we should have a moment of silence. <laughs> no, but I, that's uh, that. Those are really good. Um, when I think about Jesus, the kind of things he had to say, and um, when people listen to him, you know, they they always said, "Wait a minute, he's not like any of the teachers that all that are always talking to stuff. He's like actually talking with." some authority like his words are carrying some weight like he he has in, real integrity about th- there's integrity not only in what he says but the congruency of his life with what he says you know and so i i think i certainly agree with man can we can we trust him like what are the kind of things ha- has he said about life and are they worthy of a hearing but i'd like to take an even different angle on it like Whose advice are we taking today? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we're making decisions about life. And where, the, where are those choices coming from? Whose wisdom are we drinking from? Whose wells of wisdom are we yeah. drinking from? You know, is it Oprah? You know, mm-hmm. is it Dr. Phil? Is it the newscasters? Is it the president? Whoever it may be. Why are we listening to them? You know, and do we like the results that we're getting from listening to them? Where are we in life? You know, are we living life the way that we aspire to? Are we satisfied? What are we pursuing? And then coming to Jesus with open ears, so to speak, of saying, okay, what does he say about life? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know a ton of people who have a bad things to say about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and I think, I feel like the world really does love Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're not too enthused with the followers, his followers, but, you know, they say all sorts of things like, you know, I think Jesus was right about this. I think he has some good things to say. Uh, but I think Christians make up all the stuff they don't want to deal with, you know. But I think if you come to Jesus with an open heart, hearing his words, and not only hearing in the terms of listening, but there's a part of hearing that means put them into practice. Mm-hmm. Try them and see. You know, I think we have enough people who hear, they just listen. But what about listening and saying, I'm, I'm going to try this out and see if this really works. I think that's what Jesus did. That's the kind of invitation he gave. He gave. Don't just come hear me, but come join me in this way of life and see. You'll recover your life. You'll find real freedom in doing these things. And so I think that's the kind of invitation he offers to us is here and then put it into practice and see because you really haven't tried it or tested it out until you put it into practice. Gerald Coleman, campus pastor at Roberts Wesleyan College. Thanks for being our special guest here on Why God Why. Uh, You're welcome. I enjoyed it. For uh, Peter Engler and John Amayo, my name is Harry Gibbs. Uh, If you have any questions you would like to ask about today's episode or questions you'd like to hear us talk about on a future show, please check us out at whygodwhypodcast.com. Thanks for listening.